Hello and welcome to the International Families Project Podcast. I'm Luisa. Hello, I am Selva. And together we're going to be interviewing six families that have international background. Join us on our journey of exploration of how is it to live in an international family. The motivation for this podcast uh, comes from the fact, as you can hear from our accents, we are international, uh, meaning we live in a different country than we were born and we have partners who come from a different country and ours and we speak several languages at home and our kids grow up in this international setting and we suspect, no, we know that that's not just us. There are many of us out there and getting more who are in the same situation. So this curiosity, this uh, a, a story of ours, inspire us to go on this journey of this podcast with uh, six different episodes. And uh, we hope that you enjoy it and get inspired just like we did. Hello and uh, welcome and um, yeah, very cool that you agreed to be on the on our show. Um, would you like to tell us a bit about yourself, like who you, where you come from and where you live? Okay, um, I'm gonna start. I'm a Mamusinga Krumpens. Um, I was born in Angola and uh, I grew up in Portugal and uh, recently we moved to Portugal again to live <laughs> and uh, hi everyone um, my name is Art um, I was born in Latvia um, in Russian speaking family um, so I went to Russian speaking school um, then I studied in the UK um, then I when I studied in the UK I, I did a couple of uh, work experiences in China and in the US um, then I worked in Norway in Russia in Angola in Egypt and in Senegal <laughs> we had kids mm -hmm. when we were in Angola and in Egypt mm -hmm. and uh, now we're in Portugal so it's like a country soup <laughs> we've been in uh, many different places yeah wow you're really wow. the world you know <laughs> and how do you guys meet how how was it how how was the, the experience for you um it was in Angola. Um, so when we were both working in Angola, uh, Mamu came back from Portugal, um, basically to her, uh, you know, home country. Okay. Um, she came back to work in Angola, and I was in Angola. We both were in the same uh, company, and and that's that's how we met, <laughs> just just through through working together. Wow! And nice. did did you have hard time then deciding where you would live, or did it come organically? Like how how did you come up with Portugal then? Of all the places you could have been. <laughs> well, um, the decision is not it's never easy to take this decision to find to find the right way to take this decision. Uh, initial initial we were living in Angola, but uh, Angola had a few. We start realize it was we were facing a few issues with um, our kids for our kids' education. So we started uh, to thinking of raising a plan for them. Uh, that's, uh, 
Yeah, we were, we were in Angola and then we moved from Angola to Egypt. That was all with work. And then we moved from Egypt to Senegal also. That was that was my work. Um, and then at some point uh, we decided to um, leave and, and do something else. And it kind of came organically that, uh, well, Mamo and the kids, they have uh, Portuguese citizenship. So it was very easy for, uh, you know, for them to move back. Um, I have European passport, so very easy for me to move back to uh, to move to Portugal as well. Um, we have family in Portugal. Uh, we've many times been to Portugal just visiting. So it was kind of organic. It was the easiest, yes. I guess, place to go. Mm -hmm. And how many children do you have? Like, what is the age difference between them? <laughs> we have four kids. Wow. Uh, so Yonara is now 21, 20. I'm a bit lost already. <laughs> <laughs> we have Ciara who has uh, 17. 17. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ivan with 8 and the Yaroslava who turns uh, 5 recently. Wow. So, oh, wow. <laughs> all of them are born uh, in, in Portugal. Angola? Or in no, Portugal. in Portugal. Okay. Okay, so you have been like moving back and forth and then the family's been growing beautifully along the way uh well we we it's basically we moved to different places but every time like when when um you know it was the time to um uh give birth mama would always go back to portugal um because obviously conditions there are better than angola or egypt so we would always go back to portugal was like a home base we would always go back to portugal you know she could stay with her mom for the first few months um so that's why all the kids were born in yeah in, in i don't portugal. have a stable record as well uh -huh. medical records and all these um, important things yeah but uh how did you how did you deal deal then with school and i'm also kind of interested your adult kids uh how do they feel about um all these countries and are they staying in portugal are they planning yeah to? that's very uh, interesting question so uh when we started uh moving um we realized that it's probably not going to work very well for the kids um they moved initially with us to egypt um, they went to british school in egypt which was okay for for a while um but then when we started planning to move again um again this is all through work um we, we realized that it's probably not not going to be that well for the kids to move every few years new school it's not just new school it's like a new schooling system you know mm -hmm. um school in angola then uh, school in british school in egypt then when we were about to move to uh, senegal there, there, there was no british schools in senegal only like an international ib school so it, it's just many changes um, so we decided that kids gonna go and study in a boarding school um in a different country which is denmark mm -hmm. um and and that's what we did we, the oldest daughter she went straight to denmark and um she's there for five years now and then the second oldest daughter she went initially to the uk um she was in the uk for two years um and then she moved to denmark as well so kids basically the solution for moving with kids was not to move with kids <laughs> and kids kind of stay in a boarding school and and have this um, stable cool. environment yes. Um, and we move just with the small kids. And then when, you know, at that time, the kids were even preschool. So it was, it was very easy. So, but basically so your, your two oldest daughters, they're Danish then, right? I mean, they, they have yet another country that um, you never lived in, right? Well, we went to Denmark a few times. Uh, I like it actually. I like it a lot. I, I like, I, I like it. I like the environment. I like the mentality of people. I like yes, the yes. schooling um, system and the approach to schooling. 
Um, but no, we never lived in Denmark. Uh, for them, I guess, yeah, for the oldest especially, I guess Denmark is like probably the first home now, yeah, because yeah. that's that's kind they of identify old, themselves. as as an independent uh, sort of young adult. That's the only place where she lived um, this whole time, right? So she, you know, when she came to Denmark, she was uh, alone. She was studying in a boarding school. She had her own budget. She was traveling alone. Um, she had authorization. She was uh, 15. She had authorization to travel alone. Um, wow. So that's her like beginning of her, you know, young adult okay. life. So I guess, yeah, for her, Denmark is the home country. I think it's interesting that even though like you plan of like having the base, you have been moving around, then you want, you think some sort of like even some sort of stability for your kids, but they still choose the path of traveling to another country and then finding a base or a home there for a period of time. I think uh, you, you as parents maybe have planted a seed and then they continue with that. I think so, because even even Ciara, the second oldest, um, she is going to graduate next year in 2024. Um, she's looking at universities now, and, and she's definitely not limiting herself to Denmark uh, or Portugal. You know, she's looking at Netherlands. She's looking at Italy. Um, you know, for her, it's kind of normal that, yeah, like the world is big. You can yes, go anywhere you want. Like, why limit yourself? And, and I like it. Uh, that's very nice uh, for them to grow up with this kind of open mentality that I'm you are not limited try. by language or borders. Like, the world is big. Go and go and go where you treat it best. Go go where you feel better. Go an yeah. explorer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so cool. I to- I can totally relate. My daughter is also. She's uh, she actually went to Sweden to study, and uh, she's the same age as your oldest. <laughs> and uh, she also now she's like, okay, now I'm going to do Erasmus, and then for my masters, I'm going to move to a different country. And she's like, totally, why why should I stay now in Sweden or Germany? You know, like the world is much bigger. Yeah, interesting. So cool. <laughs> so cool. Let me ask you, with all these countries that you guys have been around, uh, what is what language have you been keeping or been speaking at home? How, how is it for you? Like with the like Senegal is a French speaking country, then you have Egypt they with they speak Arabic and then Angola, Portuguese mm-hmm. and, and then English and Danish and how how yeah. has it been this influence on you as and your family? Uh, it was a bit challenge uh, because when we moved to um, Egypt, they speak uh, um, Arabic, and uh, but we of course we don't speak. We basically it was difficult because the, no, it was difficult to find someone who could speak English in there, and uh, we had to start learn. Because uh, by the time kids they were in a school as well, they were learning something numbers uh, alphabet and. Uh, we were trying to to learn a few things just to to make uh, our easy, our you know normal um, activities easy, like going shop, shopping and uh, know the numbers and know you know a few the name of products or how to save vegetables for example, a few things like this. And but at home we were uh, speak both language Portuguese and English. Um, for our little one Yaroslava, uh, her first uh, language was. English. She was, uh, she never, while we were there, she was very small and uh, the first language was English. But uh, normally we speak both languages here at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and in, in Egypt, it was very funny at a school. Um, Ivan, um, he went to preschool in Egypt. So they started um, writing and reading alphabet and uh, learning alphabet. And they did both English and Arabic at the same time. Mm-hmm. 
And when he started writing, he started writing in English, but right to left. <laughs> so, <laughs> and for him, it was very normal. So one day he, he was showing me like very proud. Look, daddy, look, I can write my name, Ivan. And he does it right to left. And I'm like, uh, Ivan, something is wrong here. Are you sure it, this is how you write? He's like, yeah, yeah, this is, this is how you write. So it's very funny that, that uh, it's a bit uh, sometimes confusing for kids. Even now, sometimes they, they speak, they they speak uh, English and then they, they put some Portuguese words in or they speak Portuguese and they put some English words in. You know, for the kids, it's very natural. They just find the best because word that describes better. the I feeling think, and they use that. I think they think better easily in English. They organize the thought in English much better than in Portuguese. And when they have to explain in Portuguese, they they mix the, the, a, bit, a little bit the sense of the words and has, we have to be redefining them all the time. But it's, it's normal because uh, they start to have uh, more presence of the Portu like the Portuguese itself uh, since we, we moved to Portugal just two years ago. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. now they are in a school and, uh, you know, they have um, more contact with the, with the Portuguese. So, but so, how, how, how is it for your older daughter so that they speak Danish then as well, right? Or, I mean, how much of the local language is this kind of local? I mean, the places where you live, like, how much is it? in them uh well they they do speak a little bit of danish um i think the oldest speak more because she's also working now um so obviously in a you know when you work mm -hmm. you have the work environment yeah. colleagues clients um so she's picking it up faster now the younger one she doesn't speak a lot of danish um she's in a completely you know international environment in international school so it's a little bit more difficult to be honest i wish that they had more danish lessons for mm -hmm. for these kind of kids international kids um we were actually actively looking for for danish lessons for her um, and then the public lesson, the public um, opportunity was not available because she's below 18, um, so she couldn't enroll in it. And then in a school, uh, they had some lessons, I think, just in the beginning of the first year, and then it stopped. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they do make an attempt def definitely to, um, to learn Danish. The other places where we went, uh, we picked up some things, but then uh, when you stop using it, it, it kind you of, forget easily, you yeah. forget it. Yeah, like our son, when we were in Egypt, um, he was pretty good. He knew some basic Arabic. Um, we had a driver at the time and, uh, you know, he didn't speak very, very well English. And sometimes he would translate for us uh, what the driver wow. is saying or what, what we need to tell the driver. And, and the driver loved it. He was teaching him <laughs> as well. He was like a second teacher, like all the time, <laughs> Ivan, this is this, this is that. Um, so he, he did, he could sing uh, like happy birthday in Arabic because he used to go to birthday parties of other kids. So he could just sing himself uh, the, the song in Arabic. But then obviously when we moved, um, it, it, kids forget it as well. But uh, even the, the time when they were in a school, uh, they speak English during the lessons, but in a playground, in a playtime, they, because they have like uh, Arabic uh, kids, in, uh, during playtime, they used to speak in Arabic. So that's why I think Ivan picks very easy as well. Mm. And do you, ha do you have the impression that they learn languages easier now, like whatever language, because of all this uh, exposure to different languages? Ah, yes, definitely. I, I think, think so. so yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think language is like um, is like a muscle. You know, when you use it, yeah. the more you use it, the more it kind of grows. Yeah. Um, and you don't learn it by sitting in a class and uh, you know going through different grammatic structures. Mm -hmm. You learn it just by speaking playing. to people yes. by playing and, and for the kids there is no better motivation than i need to speak the language because i want to play with my friends you know yes. everybody's yeah. playing this game and they speak this language and if i learn something in this language i'll be part of the group so this is yeah. the best motivation and then they learn it very quickly this way 
Yeah. And, and the let me ask you. From them, then. <laughs> <laughs> let me ask you, what about your Russian background? Because uh, you just said that you come from a, a Russian-speaking family. And uh, what about your kids? And what is your connection uh, to your family? Like, in what language do they speak to your family? Yeah, uh, they speak a little bit of Russian, not a lot, really. Um, it's it's difficult, you know, when you don't have the That's what I was just, just uh, talking about. When you don't have the environment around you, it's difficult to create that environment, um, you know, in a, in a not a natural way. So for the Portuguese, they have environment, which is um, friends, which is... Uh, you know, mom speaking that language at home and then the grandmother being close by in the school. For the English, the same thing. They went to English school, etc. Uh, for Russian, it's a, it's a bit more difficult. Uh, they, they do speak a little bit, but not a lot. With the grandparents, they mostly speak um, English, uh, but then sometimes Russian as well. But Russian is definitely like far, far behind Portuguese and, and English. And how is your Latvian? Do you still speak it? I do, yes. They they don't, but I do, of course, yeah. And I, and I try to keep it. Uh, I try to like. I have a rule every day. I have to use four languages uh, that I speak. So I try to do at least something in that language, either oh. read something or speak to somebody or uh, listen to a podcast or read some news. So I try to use all four every day, um, just to keep it not yeah. rusty. <laughs> That's for yourself, you mean? That's for me. Yes, <laughs> that's for me. That's so interesting. And uh, what I also uh, interested in, so since you lived in so many different places, I mean, quite contrasting experiences as well, is there something you picked up on the way, a part of the language thing, but uh, like customs or ways of doing things, views on the world, anything uh, from all these countries that are now part of your life? Um, I guess from Angola, I can't say Angola is like a foreign country to us. Angola is like mm -hmm. a, um, a second home or a yeah, first home. home yeah. <laughs> um, so I think we have a lot of culture from Angola, like food, um, you know, the, the party culture, the uh, just maybe mentality, interaction, you know, friends. So we, we definitely like have a lot of connections to Angola, definitely. Not to Egypt and Senegal that much because... You know, well, I, I was an expert. It's more Angola because Angola was our first because was where we started. Yes. Everything yeah. Started. We, we spent in Angola six and a half years. So we definitely picked up a lot of, uh, you know, friends, connections uh, and everything in Angola. Egypt and, and the other places, um, not so much. It was more passing by. Um, we still have some I friends. Memories and friends, but uh, it was temporary. So you mentioned something about, you mentioned about food. Um, Would you say that, what would you say about your everyday life? Like, what kind of food do you guys <laughs> eat? Like, it's mostly Angolan, it's mostly Portuguese, it's a, it's a mix of every place that you guys have been? It's, a, it's kind of a mix uh, of everything. It, here, we, we eat, we eat um, more Portuguese food, but uh, sometimes we do, like, uh, Angolan food. And, uh, you know... Uh, <laughs> And Russia as, well. as well, because <laughs> <laughs> I used to go shopping Russian food, so we 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 mixed. We depend of what we want to eat. My my mom, um, she teach mom how to make Russian pancakes, which so... take a long. So everybody, everybody loves it. I love it. Uh, kids... And I hate because I have to spend like basically one hour doing pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> she hates to talk about food so much, but I think that food is a big really? part of your cultural identity. Yeah. 
yes of your even personal your identity yeah so it, it is like when you are moving from place to place when you talk to people about what they're missing what they're craving obviously number one is going to be i miss my friends i miss my family and i would say food is like always number two or number three it's it's somewhere like high up on the priority of, of what people are missing um so yeah it is important it's a big part of your identity just having your um yeah your food and something prepared we, in your style we miss family but uh as we are like in the, in the center, they come all the time very often. So it's um, kind of, uh, you know, nice to have them. But the food is something that we don't find easily in uh, all shopping. So we don't find easily uh, African uh, shoppings or Russian shoppings everywhere. So and the bring from our home country is uh, has a different uh, meaning, a different smell even. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not totally a, a common topic, you know. I mean, it's like for all the people we talk with, and also like between ourselves, it's really this thing: food and language. <laughs> it's like it's really. I mean, I'm actually. I mean, I live so close to a Polish border. I'm actually going today to go yes. shopping for food in Poland. <laughs> <laughs> You know, my Polish sausage, it's something that just has to be there now and then. <laughs> but, but I totally know what you mean. I think like every time I go back to Cuba, I don't bring anything else but food. So <laughs> yeah. these big avocados and then it's true. It's like you open your suitcases, like yeah. the smell and the yeah. memories. And, and then exactly. you, I think that you travel back to, you travel back emotionally. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it is true. It is true. Because in, in music, you can family, you can see family that you can visit anytime. Uh, music, you can hear anywhere. But food itself made in there is a different, has a different meaning mm -hmm. completely. And what about for your two older kids that are now in Denmark? Do they ask you for all this mixing pot of food that you guys yes. have in your family? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Because Yonara, uh, uh, the older one, she is the one that um, every time she comes, she comes already with the empty bag. She, she she says I gonna dress mama's uh, clothes because my my luggage is empty because I want to refill with the food. So she buy all the African things, she, you know, food. She she take like the the tools to do. Uh, Silva mentioned uh, funge. There is a specific tool made in wood to you know <laughs> to prepare the the funge, which is cassava powder. And so she takes a lot of uh, um, a lot of uh, the f food from Portugal, the cookies, the, a lot of things she can. And uh, the other one, every time she comes, because she's a bit more lazy, she doesn't want to. She just say, mom, when I come, I want you to cook this for me, to cook this. I miss this. And she comes with a list of things. <laughs> I want to do to you to do my hair like this and to cook this Angolan food. And I, I miss this too. So every time she comes, I know already what she... And she <laughs> likes some Russian food as well. Yeah, she, she likes it. She likes pelmeni, for pelmeni. example, which is like very, very Russian. It's a big list. She's the one who is the laziest one, but uh, is the one who has the biggest list. I want the more demanding. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, yes, she's always was like this. So they are very, and uh, this is one of the things they are. They live there, but they miss the food here, the food from Angola. So is it food always going to be one of the important topics for the mixed families? You know, 
traveling the world. But you know, it's interesting. I'm just like, I'm listening. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I understand. I always, every Christmas I go to Sweden and then there's a list that I give to my mom. <laughs> Please, this and this and this. And my mom is super happy to do that, you know. Uh, but the funny part is like, so since I lived here in Germany for such a long time and, you know, Germany is not famous for its great food. Um so we were mainly eating like this mix of Swedish and Polish food here. Um, and also I was always the main cook in the family. But, um, you know, my daughter now lives in Sweden. And basically the Swedish dishes that I was cooking here, they were a kind of adaptation of, you know, like the Polish roots and the mm. German produce, you know, but made in a Swedish way. And there's this one dish that's like all kids in Sweden love. It's like something just grab. It's like a, it's like a stew, but um, it's nothing special, like in a way, but it's so delicious and everybody loves it. Not just kids, actually. Um, but the thing is, the way apparently I do it is not completely Swedish anymore. <laughs> so she's like, yeah, you know, I moved to Sweden and I was like, oh, now I can have it all the time, you know. It doesn't taste like yours, <laughs> <laughs> and that's really interesting. Like so, uh, yeah. But you know, guys. I mean, so um, basically, this uh, nostalgia, food nostalgia, in a way, you know, like mm. connecting with your origins. But um, but let's talk about the future. So, where do you see yourself in the future? Is um, <laughs> I have plans. <laughs> we. We think that we're going to move again. Uh, we don't know when. Let me just say that we are the kind of family that we plan all the time, uh, that we're going to move somewhere. Uh -huh. We start like planning, okay, let's check this country. So we start checking about uh, schools, about safety, about, you know, um, mm -hmm. the weather, everything. But then there is another com another country pop up like oh let's try this let's check this and by the time we start checking a lot of <laughs> countries to move and then we say okay let's just wait a little bit and start again this uh, research yeah but we we have this um, this uh, you know this topic very often we still work on it we we initially thought actually that we're going to we're going to travel a lot uh, while the kids are small um because it's easy you know they don't need to go uh -huh, to school, school and, yes. and uh, we could you could move a lot we kind of miss that train the kids are growing now they our son is uh, um, is going to school and the youngest daughter is is about to go to school she's in a kindergarten um so it's a bit more difficult to move like this um with the kids um <laughs> but we still we still want to move. We still want to try, uh, you know, something else. We went actually last year to Brazil uh, for three months. Uh, we spent three oh months in God. Brazil, three yes. different places. Yeah, we went um, a month in Fortaleza, a month in Natal, uh, and then another place in uh, Ceará as well. Um, we loved it, you know, the weather, the culture, uh, but there were a few things that, that we didn't that much like. Um, so we're not going to, definitely not going to move in there. Mm -hmm. At least not now. Uh, but again, we will try and, and, and move to other places, <clears throat> see other places. But yeah, we're definitely moving, uh, for me at least, the process of moving, the process of arriving to a new place, um, exploring everything around, trying new language. Um, I just love it. I, I just love it for, for itself. And uh, this, this, new, this uh, experience that we start by taking long periods of holidays, which is three months, uh, we, we start to start thinking, feeling, okay, let's move to this country for holidays and let's feel, let's see how we feel living in there, being in contact with the locals, with the culture, with the weather, with the history, with all the things. And, uh, you know, to start to have, um, you know, one um, perspective of what we are really, what we're looking for. 
I think we're kind of traumatized by by moving that much. Um, it's becoming it's becoming an addition because I remember one day we were it was last summer um, in Fortaleza in Brazil, and I was walking the street, um, calling Mamu for something, asking you know what we need to buy home some groceries, and then when I hung up, I was like thinking, well, I kind of feel like I live here. Like I walk on the street. I call my wife. I'm asking what groceries we need. We need home. This is not what you do as a tourist. Like yes. I know the city. I know where I'm going. I feel like local, and this is the feeling that I really like. When you go to a new place, you learn about we the learn place. Even you, the language. Sometimes you, you learn a bit of a language. Dress. Yeah, you learn a bit of a culture, and then you start feeling local. You start having like a local community that yeah. that you part of. Uh-huh. Uh, I love that feeling. But then at some point, you, you know, you want to move again and find this in a new place. So you guys have tried, well, you have lived, as you said, that Angola is your second home. And uh, will you see yourself going back and living in your home country, Artems? Um, I probably won't. Um... Mamo doesn't like the weather. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, she, and she doesn't like the... Understandable. Uh, I, yes. I think she doesn't like the um, the culture. Uh, it's just different. It's more closed. Um, it's more reserved um, mm-hmm. than you People, know African yeah. and, and Angolan culture. Um, and I kind of not used to this weather as well anymore. I'm more African now, I guess. <laughs> um, but I love the place and, and, I, and I love to visit. And we're actually, well, planning to visit again uh, for, for a few months maybe. Uh, but no, probably leaving, probably not. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing. I'm sorry. Um, it's an interesting thing when you have this kind of mix of cultures and you have to adjust um, and accept the other culture in, in some ways and kind of adapt to each other. Um, it's it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, we had this topic already. It's, it's interesting, this thing of... Um, it's not so much like the different culture, maybe. It's because... In, like so, Okay, so uh, basically this... When you are from international background... You need other international people, open-minded people, like having same kind of experience around mm-hmm. you. So if you move to a small place where it's not as present or where it's not as, um, like, for example, living in Berlin, I mean, it doesn't matter, you know, like, I mean, here you don't even have to speak German, really, you know, it's, um, <laughs> I mean, it, it's really, it's not so relevant, this uh local culture i mean it's relevant that you you know it's good to understand it and it's good to speak the language because you can easily you know do all the administrative stuff and so on but it's not absolutely necessary and you also don't feel uh, so much different so for me for example it would be difficult to also move in germany which is a you know big and populated place with all kinds of cultures and play in people but uh, Berlin is a special place, and uh, Selva, you talked about also when, that you feel more at home Copenhagen, like in a in a big place. So um, I wonder if um, if that's the if that's the clue basically. That once you've tasted this uh, being like in mixed, I've, I don't know how to express it in a proper way, but you know, just being around like this very colorful mix of people and. <laughs> And, uh, ideas and so on that it's just difficult to mainstream yourself again to like a, a small place or like place that's not as international which I, I assume Latvia isn't really it's I mean 
it's been long part of the you know Soviet yes. bloc and so on. So it's like it's yeah, yeah. it's less so. I, I yeah, I, I would agree. I think about about the culture. So let me just explain what what I meant when when it. it First of all, yes, you're right. It's obviously much easier to be in an international place when there's international families. Um, there was a time, for example, in Egypt when um, there was like a WhatsApp group um, for the moms in uh, in Ivan's school, mm-hmm. and they would meet sometimes. And it was a British school, so uh, we thought, okay, it's you know international um, school. Probably parents speak English. So, Mamu, you went for one of those meetings, right? Yes. And uh, yeah, and she comes there, and everybody just speak Arabic. <laughs> she... Yes, was uh, they were very welcome. They invite me to 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 be part of the these meetings uh, more than once. But the first time I really could go, uh, I felt welcome, but uh, I felt completely not integrated because I didn't speak or even understand uh, Arabic. And uh, some of them, uh, they 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 speak english and uh, some of them didn't that's why the more uh, they were comfortable comfortable to to speak in their own language and they were forget to translate <laughs> and i was just there reading mm. expressions trying to to catch up something <laughs> and uh, was really was difficult for me and uh, was not pleasure because uh, i couldn't understand that couldn't bring anything from that uh, you know meetings and uh, but uh, and a, a part of the culture that they are not very open uh, culturally as well. Um, they, I think, uh, they try to integrate. In, oh my God! Integrate. Integrated me in the in the you know in the cycle, but uh, they are not um, the kind of uh, people or culture that uh, welcome very easily as well uh, people. So it was a bit, uh, uh, you know, sometimes I was feeling lonely in there. And especially being there, which, which is, was far, we couldn't have family coming all the time. And uh, I think it was the hardest time. And uh, probably because of that, we needed to, to travel <laughs> everywhere <laughs> just, you know, to, 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 feed, to feed these, um, you know, these uh, feelings. So, yeah, th- this is to the point that uh, being in more international place is, is easier. But then the other thing is that we need to adjust to each other's culture as well, um, mm. which I think is very important. Like, for example, when we were in Angola, um, we used to go to, there's a lot of parties in Angola. Um, mm-hmm. Everything is a party. <laughs> They're very you know, happy people. You know, uh, <laughs> a baby, infant. Uh, Celebrate for everything. <laughs> yeah, six months is a big celebration. Uh, you know, wedding, there is a pre-wedding, there is a pre-pre-wedding. The weather is nice and let's celebrate. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a party all the time. But the thing is, in my culture, like where I come from, in kind of Northern Europe, uh, you invite guests, people come probably around 6, 7 p.m., have dinner, have like a dinner talk, and then by 10 o'clock, everybody's left, right? <laughs> I don't know how it, 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 it but it, this is kind of like Northern European kind of way of doing things. By If somebody stays by 11 p.m., they're like really good friends. Um, and to invite somebody to stay overnight, it's like it needs to be close family or something like this. Uh, it's not normal. In Angola, the party starts at like midnight. And then if I say, let's go home at half past 12, then people tell me, are you crazy? It's like, it just, just started. Up. <laughs> yeah, you spend like 30 minutes here? Yes. So by, by two o'clock, I'm completely dead. I want to sleep. Like I'm ready to lay down on that, on the, on the, on the big dinner table. And everybody just partying, having fun. 
kids are running around. This is the moment the DJ is putting the best songs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so there is this kind of, you know, mismatch. Um, and I can't, like, I can't blame them. Like, this is normal for them. This is their culture. And it's kind of becoming my culture as well. I'm kind of getting used to it. Uh, but at the same time, not completely, you know, I'm yeah. still, I'm still me. Mm-hmm. I still grew up in a different, uh, completely different environment. And I think this is very important um, area. And, and there is a lot to discuss of how you adapt to each other's um, preferences and culture. And I think it's, it needs to be a mix. Um, it needs to be a blend of, of, uh, of one person accepting mm-hmm. the other and accepting some things and maybe dialing down some things. And then the other person obviously accepting um, you know the you other the other person's person. culture and, and and maybe adjusting himself, because if if you just try to push the other person and, and say no this is how we do things so this is how you need to do things, um, you know it might not end very well uh, and and the other way around as well so it yeah. always needs to be some kind of mix and blend. I just I just remember one uh, situation the first time um, I invited Art to to spend the, the Christmas time with us with my family in Angola. Because my mom lives here in Portugal, and uh, by this time she was um, in Angola for Christmas, Christmas time, and I invite Art because uh, you know he, he was there alone, and we were just starting, and uh, I saw on his face he was completely out of his, <laughs> you know, environment, because uh, in Angola to celebrate Christmas is uh, like a huge, a big uh, celebration. It's a big table filled with full of food, you know. We dress like uh, you know in, in, in uh, Christmas colors. Uh, we have uh, the Christmas tree full of uh, presents, and the art. I felt him lost, uh, and I was I, I could see him, uh, you know, speak, speaking with uh, his family, explaining how was the table. He was passing like an inspection, you know, passing next to the table and saying, "They have this as well. They have this as well." You know, <laughs> <laughs> they dressed like this. Like he was very strange. He was like kind of yes they celebrate christmas normal you know like european because we celebrate like european as well and it was like three years ago uh when we spent the christmas in latvia and it was completely different because they are uh, they they are uh, how it's your religion <laughs> orthodox orthodox so they celebrate in different way even different days right yes but because of um, of uh, the small kids my uh, mother-in-law she was uh, celebrating in, uh, in december 25th 5, 5. <laughs> and uh, and it was very different table was uh, you know very simple very different but you we could we could feel, feel that was a christmas you know uh, environment and then i was receiving pictures from my sister in angola with you know with that <laughs> big part and i was like okay soon we're gonna go to bed <laughs> because we were we had already the dinner we was you know just in the couch right you know waiting to to start to go to bed and then there in angola they were like yeah soon we're gonna have the dj yes we're gonna open the presents and i was like okay tomorrow you tell me what's going on <laughs> it's like you know, in, in my culture late party is when everybody stayed past midnight and then got home late angola, which is like starting. one or two p.m in Angola, like late party is when you party for two days. Yes. And then so you, you come, you party, you stay, then you wake up, then they have breakfast in the same house, then they do something during the day, and then it continues the next day. This is like a big party. Um, again, it's just, just an example of how different. cultures can mm-hmm. be different. Um, and it can it can get uncomfortable in, in some um, respects, right? So if your expectation of 
going to a party is one, um, mm-hmm. and the other person's expectation is completely different, then you know one of you is not having fun at the end of the day, yes. uh, or both of you not having fun at the end of the day. So I think that's very important to kind of calibrate and, and adjust to each other um, in some respects. That I guess that's that was something important that I think uh, needed to be said. I think I totally relate to that. Um, I was just I couldn't hold laughing about your story, like but in silence because I don't want to <laughs> interrupt with the sound and everything. But I think uh, it's so interesting um what you say like the needs and also to get some sort of um, a balance within you know this cultural and different uh, this diversity within the family um like in my case for instance as a cuban i also have a strong need of party <laughs> being loud being like dancing like crazy dancing until the next day and then here the Cuban community is very uh, very small. So I I bring I invite my African friends, my Brazilian friends, my Cuban friends, and then uh, my husband, for instance. Still, we have been together for like almost fifteen years, and then he he still hides. Then <laughs> so hey, where is Anas? Where he is? Oh, yes. So, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then... This is exactly what happens in our house, yes. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> and then, and then at, the, at the beginning, my friends were like, oh, is he okay? So, no, 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 yeah, yeah. He's, he just needs a break. And then, like, a break is totally in the dark room, close the door, so no one knows that he's there. <laughs> going to, oh, oh, I can relate going to him. To just tell him that it's normal. This is normal. Sometimes it's not normal. How, how, I, I, I don't think I have, like, I don't know how to explain to friends, not to family, because they know already, yeah. but to friends that they come home first time and the art just have a uh, lunch with them and then he just leave. Yeah. Go to forest. Yeah, and come back <laughs> by the end of the day and say, "Oh, did you enjoy? How can they enjoy if you are not here?" <laughs> Even my my friend starts up. Is your husband okay? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He is, but, but it's very strange for me to explain uh, that this is his normal as well. Yeah, this in my case, my friends already know him, so it's like, oh, okay, no, he needs his break. Yeah, but then like we have been talking a lot about Christmas, like how we celebrate Christmas. And then when I have to go to Christmas Eve to his family, I I have the same I go through the same experience as you go, Mamo. Mm-hmm. Because here in Denmark they also dance around the tree and they they're Christian, they're Protestant. So they mm-hmm. have all these Christian songs. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, now I am I'm used to, but at the beginning it was a cultural shock. Yes, exactly. And I think what I think is interesting is like, how do we, as parents, as international uh, family, how do we pass all this balanced culture in order to be happy to our children? So yeah. my question to you guys, like, how do, do your children navigate through these two different cultures living together when it comes to socializing, dancing, uh, parties, family parties, family events? Uh, to be honest, I think for the kids it will be much easier than for for me that uh, I came and I have to adjust to a mm. different uh, family culture. It's always a process of you know trying to understand the the new side of the side of uh, my new family. You know, uh, for the kids, I think it's different because they have um, they have like a, 
um, in contact they have been in contact with the with the family from our side and uh, from my side as well so i think it's very normal natural is like i don't see they uh at least for now they didn't come up with the with these questions why is this why is this no they accept it very well the food the celebration i think I think it's. I, th- I think it's as well. Them. I think you know you you kind of you lead by example, and and kids are more. You know, I like the saying, uh, "More is caught than taught." So kids uh, just see what you're doing, and they kind of do the same. So if you're respectful um, to both cultures, you know, you visit, yeah. um, you know, one grandma, and and this is how you behave in this house, and this is what is normal mm-hmm. in this house, and they see it, and then they they, re- they learn it, they le- replicate it. And then you visit the other grandma's house and yeah, this is what you can do here. This is what you probably shouldn't do here. And they just kind of, the same as you're learning different languages, you know, there are different mm. rules and different languages. Yes. The same with with, with this. Um, the, but there are funny moments as well. So for example, uh, uh, Mamu's mom, um, she, well, obviously she's Angolan. And then when kids visit her, it's kind of encouraged in that house to be as loud as you want, uh, <laughs> jump around. You can be like, kids could be jump, jumping from the ceiling down and that's okay. Like she's very relaxed about it. For her, it's probably not even the loudest day in that house. But then when they visit my mom, <laughs> she's and, and kids start behaving the same and she starts, shh, 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 guys, guys, shh, I have neighbors, guys, I have neighbors. <laughs> so, so kids have to learn that, okay, in Latvian house, you don't jump from the ceiling, and yeah, you have to kind of dial it down a little bit, like 500 decibel down. But then in, in Angolan grandma house, it's okay; you can do whatever Love you want. And, yeah, and if, if you like, you kick the ball, and it comes out from the window to the street. That's okay; it just happens. Uh, so I guess kids just just learn to adjust that there are different parts of the family, and that there are different rules. You know, different languages, different rules, and you adjust to both of them. But then what makes it easier is that obviously they love both grandmothers. Um, so they accept, the grandmothers accept them. They love the grandmothers. So it makes it a lot easier to kind of take in these both cultures because they're both theirs, right? They, they are mm-hmm. half Latvian, half Angolan, and, you know, the other half Portuguese and the other half Russian. So they, they, they combine these identities and they just, the same as with the languages, they need to learn when to, use each of them and and you know the rules for each of them i think that's that's how i see it and i think the most challenge now is um start explaining them especially the yaroslava the small one the the the, the colors why we are so different mm-hmm. and uh, she start asking why i mean why you have why you brown and why i'm this color and there is this color so many different questions why my hair is like this why dad has blue eyes always and my eyes is always same color. Why your eyes color doesn't change? Why your hair, you know, all the, and then the grandmas as well. Why your mom is this color? So is is always like a special for her who has five years old to explain that, okay, you are a mix of dad and mom and you are unique. See, you know, somebody with your face, with your name, look, you got um, uh, the, the, that is color, but you got my nose, you know, and the, the color of my. I try to do this very, you know, in a funny way, mm. but I can see her like, okay, but why, why your Nara, which is the older sister, is different, and there's so many questions for her age, and I don't think she has already the maturity to understand. Uh, easily the thing so it's a is a kind of process the same way that we have to explain the culture the country why you do this in this country why you do this in this uh, grandma's house 
we start now. I think the the most different difficult challenge now we do is to explain the why we are completely different. We are family, but we are different. And uh, she starts coming up like, but my my friends in a school, the brother and sister, they are very similar. They same they have the same color, they have the same hair, and uh, you know uh, this question. So I think is a is a process. Uh, is um, every time as, as long as she grows, she's gonna get more maturity, and uh, I will understand uh, realize that she's able to start understanding a bit more. So I will start introducing new ways to explain the things to her. I think it's mm. it's the part of this process is that kids um, very very early on they learn and understand that people are different but they are the same essentially you know that this uh, the way you look uh, really doesn't matter because what what matters is is what's inside you because mm-hmm. this is just part of their family right they have these two grandmothers that are completely different you know in in all uh, in all respects cultural language the way they look the way they come from you know the the context. Uh, you know, from everything is different, but they love both of them, and they're obviously both yes. a part of their family. So they just grow up with this natural understanding that yeah, people are different, and that's completely okay. And if somebody's different from me, that's completely okay. And I think that in some in some ways, um, probably kids that grow up in more kind of uniform environment where everybody around them is kind of similar to them and 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 look the same, it's more difficult for them to understand it. Um, and maybe it comes a little bit later in life when they mm-hmm. start mixing and, and maybe they go to university and they start mixing. That, that, that's what happened with me, for example. You know, I grew up in a place which is very uniform. Um, uh, well, you just mentioned that about Eastern Europe, that is it's basically everybody's kind of the same. Uh, mm-hmm. And for me, that was normal. That, that was kind of, yeah, that's that's how life is. Every, everybody around you is the same as you and you're the same as everybody else around. Like, how, how can it be any different? And then I went to university. I went to university in the UK. And obviously that was very different. Um, and this is when I learned that, oh, okay, no, it's yeah, not like this. People mm-hmm. are actually different and that's okay. And, and it's, you know, you, you, you respect everyone and, and you can be friends with anyone and, uh, you know, world is much bigger. And I think it's very nice that our kids have this from the very young age, that they see that the world is big and open and different, you know, literally from three, four years old, because mm-hmm. it's just part of their family, just part of their DNA. Hmm. Oh, that's such a wonderful... It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, thank you for that. Uh, it's also a beautiful ending of this episode, yeah. I think. <laughs> we I think we talked now uh, for quite a while. And uh, so it's kind of time to wrap up. But that was a beautiful ending. And yeah, definitely, I think it's enriching. Very like inspiring. This. Yeah. Thank you guys for the project you're doing. I'm, I'm sure even, even for us on a call, you know, you said a few things and I was like looking at Mamu. See, I told you, this is normal. <laughs> So I think that people people will listen people will listen to, to your podcast and and it's gonna help a lot of families just having Probably having the same the same moment. Oh, okay, so it's not just us struggling with this, or it's not just us having having these thoughts. It's normal for this kind of family. So I think it's actually a very important project. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll listen to the whole series. The podcast is part of the International Families Project. The International Families Project was founded by the European Union under the Erasmus Plus funding scheme. You can find out more about the project at hostingtransformation.eu slash project slash international minus families. If you have any comments or would like to contact us, please write us an email to internationalfamilies2023 
at gmail.com. You can find the web address of the project and the contact details also in the show notes. All the best. Bye. Bye.